And so what you've heard me say for 15 years is how what EOS is, is it's a system for managing human energy. So that's at the end of the day, that's what we're doing for our clients is we're helping them harness the human energy in the organization. So if you have a 10 person company, 50 person company, 500 person company, we're going to show you how to harness all of that energy into one direction where everyone's energy is going into one direction. This is Mike Payton with the EOS Leader, and I've got a special episode to share with you today, the second half of a live stream interview I did with Gino Wickman to commemorate the launching of his latest book, The EOS Life. In this episode, we'll dive more deeply into how Gino learned and trained himself to consistently live the EOS life. We talked about the real mental health challenges that we might all be facing as leaders and owners and runners of entrepreneurial companies. And we dive into the ways Gino manages human energy in order to be at his best, most productive self day in and day out, freeing him to live the EOS life. Please tune in. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I want to change course a little bit and go to the origin story, the history, the context here. So there are people watching that don't know your uh, story well, and you've already kind of given us a high level. Mm -hmm. But when did you make a decision to share what you were experiencing with your clients, your EO brethren, with the world? To walk us through that journey to make that decision. Yeah. So as I already shared, family business EO, aha, saw the opportunity, saw the need in the world, and then decided that's the need I'm going to go fill. The company that we sold was a sales training company in the real estate industry. So my dad had created the number one real estate sales training company in North America, an incredible company, impacted hundreds of thousands of people. We had 50 trainers in that company, and I managed those 50 trainers. And so when I took my leap, my plan was to be little old me, working directly with entrepreneurs, making a huge impact on their life. And I swore I would never build another company again, let alone a bunch of cats to herd like crazy trainers, i.e. EOS implementers. (laughs) So, so... I was just going to go do that thing. But what's also important is Mike Palin, my guardian angel, a guy who's had an amazing impact on my life, gave me a book to read, The Monk and the Riddle. And in that book is about this person that works directly with CEOs. And he came to call himself a virtual CEO. That's what I need in my company. I said, that's what I'm going to go do. So, So there I am. That's what I went and did. And so for five years, I did that. Like I said, 50 clients, 500 sessions, put the finishing touches on EOS. And then here I go. I was called to do this. You know, and so in my book, Entrepreneurial Leap, I talk about how if you're a true entrepreneur, you can't stop yourself from building a company. So I just couldn't stop myself. So here I was in Southeast Michigan, making an amazing living, making a ton of money, had this incredible balanced life, making such an impact on all these entrepreneurs and their companies and their leadership teams. And I was just at a crossroads. And I said, so what do I do? Because I could retire off this thing so nicely, have this amazingly balanced life and just ride this thing out. Or do I leverage it to the world? And I was just called to leverage it to the world. And when I did that, 
I then sat down and bullet pointed out on a, on a piece of paper 15 characteristics of the perfect integrator partner that I need, which ultimately became Don Tinney, which ironically was sent to me by my guardian angel, Mike Palin, and then the rest is history. So, so Don and I came together. I decided to put it out there. I decided to put it all in a book called Traction, and then we went to work on finding crazy EOS implementers like you and I <laughs> and Don. <laughs> what were some of the biggest struggles you and Don had to overcome in the early days? So the first one that comes to mind is finding these perfect EOS implementers, these perfect people, these beings, these balls of energy <laughs> that could sell, could teach, could facilitate, were entrepreneurial, were fascinated about being inside of the black box of an organization. And so you are one of them. And so we found you. And so it was finding them because oh, it was excruciating in the first couple of years because we would bring in anyone that could fog a mirror at first. <laughs> and it was so brutal, so brutal. And so I can't remember how many we went through before we found you. But when you came into my session room during boot camp and I was teaching that boot camp, if you remember the first break, we were an hour and a half into boot camp. I was an hour and a half into meeting you. And I just I knew your energy three minutes into the day. And if you remember, I grabbed you and I said, I'm never letting you go. I knew you were going to be my successor. I knew you were going to kick ass at this thing. And so I don't know if you remember the words. I can't remember the words. I just know, again, the conversation energetically was that I am not letting this guy go. I'm and I was, to my, I was trying to hit the panic button on my cell phone. I couldn't right, reach you it. You thought it was a cult. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was actually asked if it was some sort of Al-Qaeda cell. I was, I was headed off to join. So... so you're asking the biggest challenge. So the biggest challenge was finding implementers because the other thing was, so what would happen with Don is when Don and I joined forces, I said, Don, you have to go out and you have to reproduce all of my results and you have to prove somebody else can do this. And if you do that, come back to me, let me know, and we will join forces and we will become business partners and we will build this thing. So he went out in a year and a half and he reproduced every single one of my results. And so then it was Don and I building this thing and then we had some rough ones and I was, you know, it was really brutal because it was a year and a half of just mediocre people. And so when I saw you, that's why I latched on because we needed someone other than Don to be the example. And so you were the person that we were able to hold up now and say, you could be a Peyton. You could be a Peyton. And everybody <laughs> wanted to be a Peyton. And so, and, and if the implementers are listening, please set your sights higher. That would be and my... And just for the record, Peyton has an EOS implementer. No? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You had a being compensated appropriately crisis that you had to solve too. A couple years in, yep. you and Don recognized yep. you were beating your heads against Ugh. the wall, not getting compensated appropriately for the value you were bringing, trying to bring yep. to the world. Yep. So walk us through so that. As every entrepreneur experiences, we had to change our business model. You know, So the original plan was not the final plan, as is the case with every business. So we were a year and a half, two years in. It wasn't working. We were generating no money. So the only money Don and I were generating was as EOS implementers, because because we still each spent half of our time EOS implementing and making damn good money doing that. But we, then we had this business for a year and a half, two years that made no money. So sitting in a Starbucks during a clarity break, I read 
Starfish and the Spider and Tribes by Seth Godin. And I was pouring over all the data points about this model not working and everything we had. And then I had my eureka moment. I left that Starbucks. I called Don. I said, Don, I'm about to turn our business model on its ear. And then he sat quietly and I did a 15 minute riff and I finished my riff and he goes, Gino, I love it. And so what we did is we just shifted the model to a total open source abundance-based model. We took all of those shaky implementers and we just flipped it to a pay, you pay a monthly fee to play with us, to be in this thing. And it was crazy affordable. So the original model was to pay a percentage of all the revenue that you guys generated you weren't generating a lot of revenue as a whole. So, you know, 50% of zero is still zero. So it was 15% at the time. So anyway, we shifted it to that. And I don't know if you remember what you said to me. So then I go into our quarterly meeting and I think at the time we had 15 implementers was probably the number my, is my guess. And I'm doing the presentation of my life. And so I'm guessing that presentation was about 30 to 60 minutes long. I unveiled this new model to those implementers. I rocked their worlds, but for the successful ones. And then you came up to me at the break and you said, thank you, because again, at the time, you were generating about 400,000 a year. You were paying us 15% of that. All of a sudden you were paying us about 30 or 40,000 less with what I proposed. And you said, thank you, Gino, you just bought me a car or something <laughs> yeah, like that. That's right. So anyway, so you were happy, right. but, but, but that model, literally the whole business turned on a dime after that and it just absolutely exploded. Well, and what I, what I love about that story is it's tied to the create more value. Because here, here. I think what, what was- For sure. What it looked like to me sure. as somebody who was the beneficiary of that business model is you were already creating tremendous value for me and I was certainly happy with the revenue. But what you were saying to the world is, if what we give you that's been proven to deliver value to other EOS implementers isn't paying dividends for you, then you've made the wrong choice. Exactly. And, but you asked to be paid appropriately for the opportunity that right. you were creating. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, but just look at, we don't have to get, I mean, we're going so yeah. deep into something that is not about EOS life, but I, so I'll just say this last point, you're in charge here, I'll go wherever you want, but then think about, what that then attracts when we say you got to pay to play. So That's the right. day you come here, you got to pay to go through our boot camp, and then you got to pay something every single month. That's right. So all of a sudden, the commitment level went through the roof. That's right. But get ready. I said I poured over all the data points in the decision I made to change the business model. One of those hundred data points was Peyton's making four hundred grand a year. So I was able to say, if you want to be a Peyton, so we had right. one or two or three of you that were relatively successful yeah. to say, look at. Don and I are successful at this. These one, two, three are successful at this. And so I was able, if, if I didn't have a you, I couldn't have changed the model. You were able to point to the value creation yeah. possibility. Yeah, and most people. of the people we were bringing yeah. in, you pay 15% of the revenue you generate. So there's no risk because if they don't generate any revenue, they don't pay anything. That's going to attract everyone under the sun because yeah. delivering the EOS process to a company there aren't much, many things better. It's so much fun, but it's really hard to get to that client and get in that room. So anyway, so tangent so, alert. No, no, that's good. Uh, switching to from challenges to successes. What were some of the flagship moments where you thought, oh, the, the flywheel's turning. We're, mm. we're on to something here. Mm. Well, certainly you. You recreating down in my results was really big. There's another moment we describe. So, so the original four were Don, Amber, Lisa, and I. And for, I'd say a year or two, 
Don and I would set these lofty goals. So in our quarterlies, we'd be setting these, and I don't even want to call them lofty. I thought they were very doable, but we never hit them. And so the way we describe it is the day that Amber beat all optimism out of Don and I, she, she pulverized us and made us pessimists. And so the second we kind of changed the goals to be more realistic, we started hitting them every quarter, feeling successful. So there was also a lot of momentum in that. And so we always jokingly pick on Amber for beating all optimism out of Don and I. And then the other thing that really surprised me is, you know, the overriding goal from day one was to impact 10,000 companies, was to take 10,000 companies through this process. I never would have guessed achieving that goal, which my goal, I said it 20 years, it was 20 years ago, to be hit by December 31st, 2020, and we literally hit it with one month to spare, which is shocking. So message for all of you out there, setting 10-year targets, they work. Um, five to 30 years, mine was a 20-year, but, I never would have guessed, you know, so I saw 10,000 companies and that's it and a bunch of implementers. I never could have imagined how freaking valuable that was, how many people that was truly going to impact because I never guessed that 10,000, we implementers taking 10,000 companies through the process translates into 100,000 companies so I never would have guessed the impact. And so when I started to see that, you know, that was, so those are some of the things that come yeah. to mind. One of the things you talk about in the book is the power of mentors and helpers and, and people who can help illuminate your way. Who are some of your most influential mem mentors along the way? Yeah. So, so my big three, so there's kind of like the big three and then there are all of these influencers, if you will. So the big three, are right at the top of the list, my dad. My dad is my greatest mentor. And then I call these three people my three greatest mentors because it's so close. It's like a really close second and third. Number two is Sam Cup, my business mentor. And then number three is Dan Sullivan, who to this day is still my mentor. Sadly, Sam Cup has passed away. My dad has retired, but I still, you know, we still have great conversation. I still have his ear. But Dan Sullivan, I'm 24 years later, I'm still in his program and still learning something from him every single 90 days. For any entrepreneurs out there, get in the strategic coach program. It'll change your life. It changed mine. Um, so those are the big three. And then there's a bunch of influencers. And I list these in the book because prior to creating EOS, because the EOS influencers are Jim Collins and Pat Lencioni and Vern Harnish and certainly Dan Sullivan's in that list and, 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 and so many rich authors and books that I learned from to create that. But before that, and I think more important than all of them are the influencers that created my philosophy and how I live my life. And so these are the Jim Rowans, Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, Les Brown, and I'm trying to say them all, uh, Michael uh, Gerber. Um, I mean, so, so there's the big three and then there's a whole bunch of influencers that, you know, I just, I'm a fanatic for learning and I just study these people. And I may be wrong when I say this, but every time I hear you walk through that list, all of them have a gift for 
reconfiguring the way the neurons are firing in your brain to mm. think about the world in a different way that opens up possibilities. Yeah, here, here. And that's something I've learned to emulate from you mm -hmm. that if you're not constantly expanding your ways of thinking, you're gonna get stuck in a rut and feel like it's not your lot in life to step out of this thing. Here, here. So you made a couple of key business decisions that were really driven by a desire to get back to living your EOS life as the founder and visionary for mm -hmm. EOS Worldwide. And the first is stepping down as you predicted you would by your 50th birthday. Yeah, and the yeah. second is to sell the company. I want you to talk about the EOS life influence on those decisions. Yeah. So I want to share three things there and I'm just trying to pick the right order there. So I never intended to sell the company. It was never, on my radar, never of interest to me. And, you know, most of the teaching out there is that, you know, that's not entirely smart. You always wanna, you know, see the outcome. And I just, I have a different philosophy around that. So I won't get into that, but I never intended to sell the company. The company was always just an extension of my neuroses, you know? Uh, it's a pretty good thing. Um, of which I am vividly aware. Here, here. So we're clear. It has benefited you greatly, so hallelujah. <laughs> so true. never intended to sell it, but always intended to be out of it. You know, so again, you know this well, because as we started to bring on implementers, and we meet every quarter, we met every quarter all those years, I would say in every QC almost, I would say, I'm gonna be sitting back there with all of you someday as an implementer, because at the end of the day, I'm just an implementer and I don't wanna be the visionary of this company, but I had to step out of becoming, or being an EOS implementer to become the visionary to get this company to where we need to get it. And I said, but someday I'm gonna be sitting right back there with you. And so the thing I always did know is I was gonna get off that leadership team, get out of the visionary role and just be the owner of the business and the majority owner. And I was just gonna sit back, be an owner and let you guys run it forever. So that I knew. And then to your point about, you know, how does EOS life play into it? It's, so let's go to love and great. I didn't love being the visionary of the company, but I was pretty good at it. Uh, <laughs> so I would say I was probably great at that, but I didn't love it. And when I weigh all the other things that I wanted to do business-wise and being an EOS implementer, I love those things. So delegate one thing every quarter, I literally got to the point that if I wanted to spend 100% of my working time in my sweet spot, I had to delegate an entire company because no matter how you slice it, I realized even if I got to the owner's box fully and out of the visionary seat, which we did and we ran that way for a couple of years, so I experienced it, I gotta say it this way, that fucking company was on my mind every, uh, every single night. So it just weighed on me because while you guys were solving all the issues, and again, you can attest that I let you run that damn company, I, I still knew every issue and they weighed on me. So I had to delegate that off to free up my energy for the next thing. And, uh, and so that's when I realized it was time to sell. And we, we actually got approached. I'm not gonna say who approached us, but it was them approaching and me having those thoughts that I said, mm, you know what, it's, it's probably time. Yeah, and, and I, I would have never guessed the company was worth what, or you, it's my point about getting to 10,000 I would have never guessed it was so valuable. And that's not why I sold, but that wasn't bad. So, so what I love about that is you just shared a planned move 
and an unplanned move, both of which led you to getting closer to living your EOS yeah. life. And so thank you for that, because that's the point is yeah. if I'm living my EOS life, you can't perfectly plan everything. That's right. But it drove my decision. It was that's a no brainer. Right. When you look at it through that lens, it's like a no brainer. And the driver of that second decision, the unplanned decision, was you coming to grips with the fact that you thought stepping out of the visionary seat was going to create peace for you, and it didn't. And so there you are back at your journey to live your EOS life, and there's more work yet to do. And and so that's what our listeners are going to experience themselves. You can't figure this all out right now. You have to take it one step at a time. All right. End of the book. There's a, a little mini book. It's about human energy, which is a recurring theme. I've been hearing you talk about human energy for 14 years every quarter (laughs) ad nauseum. (laughs) And it's a fascinating uh, concept. And the reason it's fascinating is because you believe it can and should be managed. And I think a lot of people feel like it's uncontrollable or inert. Mm-hmm. So when did you first begin to tune into this idea of human mm. energy? When did you start noticing how valuable and important it was to notice human energy? So at first I did I don't I was going to tell you I don't know when it is, but as you were asking that and I went somewhere else with my ADD, <laughs> an answer came to me. And I'm trying to remember the name of the book and it was very very popular. 30 years ago, oh, Celestine Prophecies. It's that book that made me look at myself and human beings very differently. And again, you know, so who knows what you believe, but I think we're all just balls of energy. And I think it's kind of like scientifically proven that we're balls of energy, but I'm not smart enough to understand all that. And so if you see yourself that way and understand that you're just a ball of energy, you can actually harness and direct that energy and increase that energy. And so what you've heard me say for 15 years is how what EOS is, is it's a system for managing human energy. So that's at the end of the day, that's what we're doing for our clients is we're helping them harness the human energy in the organization. So if you have a 10 person company, 50 person company, 500 person company, we're gonna show you how to harness all of that energy into one direction where everyone's energy is going into one direction. So that's what you've heard for 15 years or 14 years. You now reminded me of where it all started for me. Then what happened is, so I included in this book, so the EOS life book and the EOS content and what I wrote there is EOS Worldwide's content. They bought it from me. So it's their content. It's theirs to take to the world. I own the book. We're this amazing, great relationship where together, you know, we magnify things. But what I decided to do with this book is up and over that, I added this mini bonus book to the book that's called 10 Disciplines for Managing and Maximizing Your Energy. And so to complete the story, what happened is I was trying to decide what my keynote was going to be for the EOS conference two years ago. And it's just a crazy way how the message comes to me, but it just hit me that that's what I'm going to teach. And I'm going to be vulnerable. And I'm going to tell the world how I manage my energy. And so it's 10 disciplines. And, and so the final piece to the puzzle is I literally then started thinking and I started just writing, what are all of my disciplines for how I manage my energy? 
And just, just these 10 were so apparent. And then I delivered that message and the reaction was incredible. And then I decided to put it in this book because again, it's a little uncomfortable putting it in there because it feels a little selfish that I'm teaching how I do it. But the reaction, so I had 80 test readers on this book, which is the most ever, but the reaction from 80 out of 80 to those 10 disciplines, I just knew there was something there. And so I decided, eh, what the hell, I'm gonna start teaching the world how to manage and maximize their energy from this humble opinion. So this may be unfair, but can you walk us through the 10? Um, High level real quick? <laughs> no, but I can read them to you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I, I there's, I, listen, I, maybe it's because I'm 53, but I can't remember them in this order, but just really high level. And then you yeah. tell me where you want to go Sounds with these. Good. But, but very high level, we already touched on the first one and it's 10 year thinking. 10 year thinking is transformative. It will change your life. Time slows down. There's a peace that comes over you and ironically you get there faster. Take time off and so we indirectly touched on that but this is about truly taking time off and recharging your batteries and really understanding the power of recreation recreating yourself number three is know thyself so really deep stuff here but I like to say let your freak flag fly and so figure out who you really are be that every moment and your energy will go through the roof because you're pretending you're, you're somebody different in every case. And then on this one, and do you want me to go a little deep in each one or high level yeah, and then go deep? Yeah, high level and quick. Because yeah, so I'm, try, I'm quick trying to hit each one quickly. But there's a story I tell about this one in, in, in my aha moment. Kathy threw me a 30th surprise birthday party. And so I show up, surprise, and I look around this room of 100 people and there were six factions of my life in this room. There were my business partners, my employees, my family, Kathy's family, my high school friends, and my new neighborhood friends. And I realized I was a different person with every one of those factions. And I look around, Again, you can swear when you're quoting somebody. And I look around that room and I go, who in the fuck am I gonna be today? Yeah. Who am I gonna be today? Yeah. So that was the moment I said, and so, so now we're talking about energy. Imagine the energy you're burning trying to be all these different things to all these different people. So from that day forward, I was one person. So that's what that one is. Number four is be still. Again, call it meditation, call it silence, call it what you wanna call it, but take 10 to 30 minutes every day, be still, powerful for your energy. Know your 100%, and so knowing your 100% is the opposite side of taking time off, and we've indirectly touched on it a little bit, but this is much deeper in terms of figure out how many weeks you're gonna work every year, how many hours you're gonna work every week. Get really clear on what I call your work container. And this isn't about taking time off, this is about figuring out your energy. I'm 40 weeks, 55 hours a week. That's my perfect energy. Any more, my energy wings. Any less, I get a little bored, I need to work. Anyway, let me, I'm gonna try and get through the rest faster yeah, and then please ask your questions. Um, next is say no often. Next is don't do $25 an hour work, dot, 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 if you wanna make a six-figure income. Number eight is prepare every night, a very powerful discipline I've been doing for 25 years, and that's 
Don't go to bed. Don't let your head hit that pillow until you know exactly what you're doing tomorrow, until you've laid out tomorrow. You'll sleep better. Ideas will come to you. You'll have a much more productive day. Number nine is put everything in one place. So we entrepreneur leaders, we got a bunch of stuff going on. We're making promises, commitments, and we're doing sticky notes and stuff here and putting a note in our phone and you're just a disaster. You're letting people down. Decide the one place you're going to put everything. You'll be more organized. You'll follow through. Again, energy will go through the roof. And then number 10, be humble. You are all out there somewhere on the spectrum of humble and arrogant and be honest with yourself. But I promise you a humble life is much better than an arrogant life. And so that's my passionate plea. And my father-in-law, Neil Pardun, is my greatest example of humility and wealth. It's possible. And he has passed, but he changed my life because I was going down a very arrogant negative, non-humble path in my 20s. And by his example, never said a word to me, but by his example, he taught me that uh, the humble life is better than the arrogant life. And then a great quote, being humble is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So for what that's worth. Uh, There's energy. Lovely, couple follow-up questions. You've figured out your work container. How do you defend it? How do you limit your, how do you prevent it from bleeding into the other containers in your life? But you're saying, how do, what do I do if somebody tries to expand my work container? Is that what you're asking? So the person I'd be most interested in you being able to control is you. So many of the people listening know that they'd like to work 40 weeks a year, 55 hours a week, but they won't let themselves or they have other people picking at them for more and more of their time. What are what are some techniques or some strategies for getting better at really keeping your work confined to that container? Well, here's one. It's called stop doing that. Okay, so, you know, I'm a big believer in context, okay? And so what what I'm doing with this book is creating context because if you can see the context, you know, how you do it, everybody's looking for like a technique for how to do that. But what I realize, if I can show you the context of this thing and you give your permission, you give yourself permission to do it, you'll figure it out because there's 1,800 different ways to do what you're asking. So... And again, we're talking about moving the needle, incremental steps, just be aware, start playing with some stuff. You know, take three weeks off next year, take four weeks off the year after, take five weeks off. There's gonna, you're gonna get to a point where you're saying, man, I, this is too much time off. I figured out my perfect formula is I take 12 weeks off a year. I take the month of August off every year. I've done it for over 20 years. So I just figured out that my formula is 40 weeks a year. Anything less than that, I will go crazy with boredom. Anything more than that, I don't have enough time to do those passions and spend the time with the people that I want to spend time with. So for me, I'm fanatical. And so for me, and again, sometimes I'm oversimplifying it, but if anything tries to compete with that, it's a no. It's a no. Because remember, discipline number is number six is say no often. So I was going to go there yeah. next, and I'm going to observe something about you that I don't, I think you think is natural mm-hmm. to you, but it has always stricken me as something you're better at than the average person. When you say no, you've built a mechanism many times for giving the person who's asking you for something a yes that doesn't involve you using your time. 
You're better at that than anybody I've ever seen. And and I've been that person in a lot of situations, podcast interviews in the early days. And and so hmm. I think you stay in the yes until there's a solution that doesn't involve you spending time doing something you don't love. Hmm. And that buys you the confidence to say no and say, but here's how you can get that need met that doesn't involve me. Uh, that's... Uh Damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, so I want to say two things, and I want to come back to that, because what's important to understand is when you live by tenure thinking you take time off, you know yourself, you be still, you know you're 100%, you say no often, you don't do $25 hour work if you want to make a six-figure income, uh, you prepare every night, practice tenure thinking, take time off, know thyself, be still, and know you're 100%, what to say no to is abundantly clear abundantly clear. So I think that's the most important thing is this awareness and moving the needle thing we're talking about is now I know what I need to say no to. So now it's how do you say no? So I love what you said. I honestly never thought about the fact that I do whenever, so I get asked literally a thousand times a year to do something. And I literally say no, 998 of them. But you're right, I always do have a solution for them. I do have a a place for them to go, a plan B or whatever. So maybe that's a habit I developed, but nonetheless, even if I didn't, the answer is still no. I, I, I hear love you. love saying no. And then, and then I, since we're on it, and this is one of my favorite topics, so whenever I'm doing this, teaching this with an audience, I always then have the audience look at each other and say, say no, no, just to build the muscle. And so there's two, two things. A great quote from the book Essentialism by McCowan, I think it's pronounced. There's a quote in there, and it talks about how the mere thought of saying no to someone gives us physical discomfort. I yes. mean, we physically get discomfort, but here's your choice. You can say no and feel that discomfort for all of five minutes and move on, or you can say yes and regret it for days, weeks, months and sometimes years. So that's very powerful. And then my, my favorite quote of all time is Warren Buffett's quote that says, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. So I love saying no. I love when you come to me so passionate and I'm gonna kick you in the balls if you can say that on a podcast and say no, because with all due love and respect, you are not gonna mess with my life. But I, that's so helpful and I will teach that forever now. I do have a habit of saying, yeah. but here's an option for you. Yeah. And what's ironic, um, and I'm realizing now how, you know, I, I, I taught this to Kelly Knight as well, because, you know, the 50 phone calls she gets a week with people that want to hitch their wagon to EOS, the answer is almost always no, but it's that response and that other option. They always go away feeling better, feeling good, feeling something positive. That's right. So that's, that's, that's really, right. I, I will teach that forever. Well, and for me, it takes us back to the EOS, the content of the EOS life. You can't do what you I'm love. I'm going to write that down. Keep talking, but I'm going to write welcome. that down. You can't do what you love if you're not surrounded by people you love who you have confidence can do the things that are important for your business here, here. and the people who want something from you. And so it, it comes full circle. Yeah. I, I want to go deep. We have a question from the audience and, and I want to go deeper than the 10 disciplines for managing human energy, which is a good answer to this question. But but I Omar from Texas says, 
how does Gino protect his own mental health through the inevitable ups and downs of business and life? And so let's go a little deeper on the subject of mental health because entrepreneurship and mental health challenges tend to go hand in mm-hmm. hand. So talk to us about that a little yeah. bit. Well, for one, I would not consider myself a mentally healthy person. <laughs> so that's all relative. you know. Yeah. So again, that point about let your freak flag fly, whatever that means. So I remember I went to the Amen Clinic, which like they're a number, one of the number one clinics. They look at your brain. They see what's going on with your brain. And that's when I learned I had ADD. I never would have guessed I had ADD because I come off so focused. And, and so I remember you go through a day, two days of testing, and then you meet with the doctor at the end, and he's looking at my results, and he goes, oh. If <laughs> I think first thing he said was I didn't expect to see so much damage, but I've taken a lot of hits to the head in my lifetime. But but he also said I see where you have built a life around your brain. So I could never be an accountant. My brain is not an accountant brain. So what does mentally stable mean? I mean, you know, the homeless person that they say is mentally ill, sometimes they look really happy. They might be the smartest person on the planet or what, whatever it is. So, you know, who are we to judge? So I, I wouldn't call myself mentally healthy, <laughs> but I've, I did my seven years of therapy in my 20s. I go back from time to time, so I work on that hard. What do I do when I get my ass kicked, which is, you know, every other month for the last 35 years, sometimes I curl up in a ball for a day. You know, I mean, it's it's you lick your wounds, you know. So when I really get kicked in the ass, I go down and I go down hard and I I'm an introvert. So I I will get quiet. Extroverts will get loud, but I'll I'll give myself the permission and the time to sulk. I always picture myself sucking my thumb in a terry cloth robe <laughs> curled up in a ball. And so it's, it's energetically that, but that's not what's really going on. And so you just, you know, this is life. And uh, so I've learned to take the lumps, sit in the lumps. And I've also learned to take the big wins and keep them in their proper perspective. You know, and so my dad says good things happen and bad things happen but neither last. That says it all, you know? So, so, uh, and, and woven into that story is you're not afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. There's a great book I recommend to every visionary entrepreneur called the hypomanic edge. Okay. And it's a powerful book on the, the, you know, the brain, the energy of a true visionary entrepreneur. And so, you know, this was my twenties and thirties. And so your highs are high and your lows are low because you are, you have ADD, you are manic and it's, and it will help you understand. And it goes through all these great visionary leaders over time. And, and, but once you understand it, you can learn to live with it, work with it, manage it, not when you're on the down which looks like depression, realize that this isn't depression and I'm gonna come out of it. So it took me about 20 of these and then 20 of these that followed to realize I'm gonna come out of this thing. So that's just life, man. So you get knocked down, sulk. It's because I I think the worst thing you can do is get knocked down and go, oh, that didn't bother me at all. That's nothing, that was nothing. Because you're lying to yourself. Your guts are burning inside. So just sit with the burning. It sucks. It hurts. And sometimes it's five days of burning. Sometimes it's five minutes of burning. 
but nonetheless, that's life. And, and so anyway, somehow that. Yeah, and, 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 and the, that was the second thing I wanted to say. You have, if you believe that you're going to go on an entrepreneurial journey and achieve your full potential as a human being and you're not going to experience highs and lows and get emotional and get pissed off and get depressed and get sad and all of those emotions are going to happen, you have to be comfortable sitting with that stuff. Yeah, and not to go it's, too far off on this tangent, I'm not trying to promote another book, but it's why I wrote Entrepreneurial Leap for all those people that think they want to take an entrepreneurial leap to help find the ones that truly are because they're built for what you just described. And then the ones that aren't, please don't do it. You're, I'm trying to help you avoid 10 years of misery because it's hell if you don't have the brain for it. So you started by saying mentally healthy. I'm putting that in its proper perspective because then there are brains that are built for being a great administrative assistant, for being an accountant, for being a cop, for being a nurse, for being in the military. And it's just, you gotta figure out, you know, your unique energy. And mine is just this crazy energy that I'm unemployable, nobody wants me, so I just, to build a company with a bunch of people around my neuroses. Uh, by the way, my uh, quote of the entire interview is, I didn't expect to see so much damage. Yes, yeah, oh, uh, believe me, those, those were his words exactly. Now, the damage wasn't terrible. I said, can you like expand on that yeah. a little bit? And he said, well, if a brain is a 10, yours is about an eight. So, but I mean, I we won't get into, I, my, well, my, we won't get into my fighting days, not, not but yet. I've taken some hits to the head. In my crazy days, in my drinking days. Okay, so we you, won't get into that. You heard it first yeah. here. Quick break before we round. Fun drinking, not a okay. problem. You need to start taking the steps on this journey to live the EOS life. So let's talk about the future. What are your hopes for this book? Um, well, the hopes are that a whole bunch of people are living their ideal life. So that's a very general statement. And then I'll go a little more specific than that. I mean, I do hope it reaches millions of people. You know, I can see we just hit a million copies sold of Traction, literally like this week. I see where this could probably, possibly do better, who knows, but, and I'm not measuring that by book sales for me, it's about the people that it's impacting. So I do believe it can impact millions of people. The other thing is if someone out there lives their ideal life, I believe that they will become an example to the people around them, and we touched on that. But then that one person that they've touched goes to them and says, you know, teach me what you know. And if that one person living their ideal life teaches one or two people, and those one or two people learn it and are the example and teach one or two people, and then those do the same and those do the same, oh, what a world it would be. So hopefully and directly, there's the answer to your question. Yeah, that's perfect. Do you have any other passion projects you're currently working on or in the oh, waiting room? I appreciate room? you asking that. So um, yeah, I'd say two. So the one I'm smack dab in the middle of, a 10-year project, I'm two years into the 10 years, is Entrepreneurial Leap that I alluded to. 
uh, e-leap.com if you want to find out more. But that's all about if you out there, you think you're an entrepreneur or you have someone in your life that you think is an entrepreneur. Again, that mission I described, it's helping them determine if they are and showing them the exact path for getting there, but also hopefully talking them out of it. You either have the six essential traits, you either score well on the assessment or you don't. And then number two, I don't know what this is going to become, but the second one really is the reaction I'm getting from 10 disciplines. I'm going to do something with that over the next 10 years. I don't know what yet, um, but there's just something there. And whatever that is, it's going to be so totally different than anything I've ever done before. The way I'm going to do it, um, I don't know what that means, but those would be just something there. And just something is, you know, just kind of calling me to put some energy into that. So those would be the two. Awesome. And then other than that, you know, half of my life is still EOS. I'm an EOS implementer. I have clients. I speak. I So half my life is still EOS. And then the other half are these other passions. At the end of the day, I'm an EOS implementer, and it's still my number one love is walking into that session room and seeing my clients' smiling faces and then kicking their ass for eight hours. <laughs> Having been there, he is not <laughs> lying about the ass kicking, just so we're clear. A great question. Isla from Arizona asks, do I have to know EOS to understand oh, the concept of living the EOS life? Thank you. I'm so glad that was asked. No. So I, the first page of the book I put in about, if you don't know EOS, you're going to be fine. It all makes sense. This is so intuitive. So I do want to say this. So thank you for that question, because no, you don't. You absolutely do not. And I do believe this content is going to find its way. When I talk about that person teaching two people and that person teaching two people, I mean, come on. It, so, so let's take a librarian. A librarian can do what they love with people they love, make an impact, get compensated appropriately, and have time for other paths. So whatever your walk of life is, it absolutely applies. And no, you don't need to understand EOS. It's really intuitive and simple stuff. Well, and if the EOS tools in the book are going to help you live the EOS life, you've done a fine job of explaining in a very basic sense how to use them and directing people to other resources for that. So one little passage I love in this book, because it's very similar to something we wrote at the end of, of Get a Grip. You say very specifically, when your leadership team meets every week, the meeting should be filled with laughter, intense debate passionate discussion, high trust, and respect. You should look forward to working together and seeing each other. So a lot of people listening don't feel that way mm. and may not even think that's possible. Mm. Give them some reason to hope oh, that it that. is and start taking the first step. I love that you went there. So I, I stand by that verbatim. God, that's so well written. Uh, I think it's because I have a great editor. But that is the litmus test. If you, whoever you are, the visionary, the integrator, the head of sales, the head of marketing, the head of finance, if you don't look forward to your level 10 meeting every single week and it doesn't look like that, something ain't right. You are not doing it with people you love and it's time to fix that. And it might be that one leadership team member that's just a prick or the female version of prick, okay? So, and they just need to go. It might be you. So it might be, you might, you know what? I just don't like these people. Get the hell out of there. Go do your thing. But that is the litmus test. In your level 10, in every level 10, there should be laughter, 
there should be debate, there should be arguing, there should be passion, there should be, so it should be all the emotions. And that's when you're working with a great team, making an impact on the world, doing cool stuff. That's my humble yeah. sense. And, and for me, I think what we're doing with the EOS Life is we're helping everybody reading this book understand that if that's where you are, you're not stuck. The question is, what are you going to do about here. it? No, you're, you're, you're what are you just do about getting it? started. Yeah. You're, ju- you're not stuck. You're just getting started. That's right. Zero to 100. You're somewhere. That's you just right. need to move the needle. Not stuck. It's just you're starting here or you're starting here or you're starting here. All right. Last question. By the way, where are you? I'm about this? 22. I'm you on my way. No, I, I started at 22. I'm about 66. You're 60. Yeah. I know I need to get better. I'm on my journey, but I feel like a champion at 66, to to your point. My favorite line was when you, we were on the phone (laughs) and you said, oh, I can't talk on Friday because I'm about to take a three-day sabbatical. (laughs) And I said, Peyton, that is not a sabbatical. That is a vacation. As a matter of fact, it's not even a vacation. It's a long weekend. The last question, I want you to boil all the work that went into this book down to the most powerful piece of advice you could give somebody who's not living their EOS life. You know, so that one is easy to me because I feel like we already said it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. So that's the first step. That's the first step is just realize you deserve it. And if you're still sitting there going, you know, I hear what he's saying, but I still don't go get some therapy. Go get to the root of what that thing is. Start meditating, whatever it is. But you got to clear that dark energy out of there. And then the second one we said as well, don't get overwhelmed by this. Just move the needle. I mean, what you're going to see are literally 60 different things you could do after reading this book to move the needle. Pick one, take a 10-year outlook, and 10 years from now, you'll be living your ideal life just one step at a time. So I wouldn't add anything more than those two things. I gave you my best shot earlier, Peyton. Back yeah, off. well, that's good. I, I, I thought I'd give you a chance to reiterate. I All know right, you got to hear it seven times. <laughs> I'm with you. So for the people watching and listening, please go live your EOS life. It is possible. Here, here. I've made tremendous progress because of what you've taught me, and you've got a lot to teach the rest of the world. Thank you for being so generous with your time. My pleasure. This and, was a blast. And thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, we want you to live your EOS life. Hallelujah. If you got value from today's episode, do me a favor. Open your podcasting app and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. If you've already subscribed, please subscribe one of your friends. Subscribe.